Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 33. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Carson Wentz finally gets traded from the Eagles. He is no longer a Colt. Deshaun Watson, you are next. I get my thoughts on where he should get traded. JJ Watts, free agent. There's four destinations he should go to. I pick my favorites. In the Premier League, Wolves win back-to-back games for the first time since November. In the NBA, Lakers, Nets played on Thursday in what was probably a finals previews. I'll give my thoughts on that game. Draymond Green goes off on the NBA. And the Western and Eastern Conference starters for the All-Star Game have been announced. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Carson Wentz is no longer a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He finally got traded to the most likely destination, the Indianapolis Colts. There's too many connections to ignore. Frank Wright, the head coach of the Colts, was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. There's connections there. There's not too many teams that were confident in making a trade, making a push for Carson Wentz after the terrible season he had last year. Uh, It just made too much sense for the Colts to be the team that pulled the trigger, that made the decision to go after Carson Wentz. And now here we are in February. The Colts pull the trigger. They give a third-round pick in this 2021 draft that's coming up. And they give a conditional second-round pick in 2022, which could turn into a first if Carson Wentz meets some playing requirements. So if the Colts, if the Colts like what Carson Wentz is doing, then obviously he's going to be playing a lot. He's probably going to meet th- those conditions, and that second will be upgraded to a first. If the Colts don't like what Carson Wentz is doing, maybe by week eight, week ten, uh, they cut their losses, they bench him. He doesn't play. I think he has to start like seventy percent of their snaps for that second to turn into a first. So then, if Carson Wentz is struggling by let's say week eight, week ten of next season. I could see the Colts potentially benching him so that they only lose the second and they don't lose the first. But all in all, I think this was the most likely destination for Carson Wentz. He was always probably going to go to the Colts instead of like the Bears or any of the other teams that were um, set to be in the market for Carson Wentz. But I do believe that this would be a good trade for the Colts. The Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the league, when healthy, they're probably top five, top three, maybe the best on their good days. Uh, and they have a really young running back, Jonathan Taylor. He was a beast, especially towards the second half of the season. He was a rookie last year. If you guys didn't see the Colts play, Jonathan Taylor in the second half of the season was a beast. I remember the game against the Raiders. He went off. He had over 200 yards. He really picked it up as the season winded down. And in the playoffs, he looked good, too. So Wentz will have a good running game, good O-line. Not everything will be on his shoulders. A lot of times with the Eagles, it looked like he had to evade two or three rushers just to get the play going. And then he had to throw to no-name receivers. The Eagles last year, they had no healthy wide receivers to start the season. And throughout the whole season, uh, they they don't have a lot of weapons. They missed on some drafts. They missed on some wide receivers. They could have had DK Metcalf. They chose... JJ, Ari, something. I forgot his name. He's irrelevant. He hasn't made contributions in the league. But Wentz, Wentz is not 
Wentz didn't have no fault. He definitely made some questionable throws. He tried to play hero ball too much. He tried to force the ball onto some windows that just weren't there. The offensive play calling could have helped him too. I think once you see that Wentz has no receivers, the line's kind of hurt. They're not really protecting as well. I think they were throwing the ball too much. They they kept trying trying to be a throwing team. And they had Sanders, a pretty good running back that could definitely shoulder the load. It was just a tough situation for the Eagles. I think the Eagles mishandled Wentz. I think they mishandled uh, the years after their Super Bowl, Super Bowl win. They could have handled. They could have drafted better. They could have handled their personnel better. They could have retooled better because, like Jason Peters, he's been a great left tackle. They've had Kelsey at the center. He's been a great center, but it just it doesn't. It didn't feel like they retooled that great after their Super Bowl win, and now we're seeing the effects of that. Um, Peterson's gone, Super Bowl winning head coach after, what, two, two three years after the Super Bowl win. Um, their offensive coordinator, Frank Wright, is gone. He's now the head coach for the Colts. Carson Wentz is gone. Nick Foles is gone. Kelsey, I believe, just retired. Jason Peters is getting old. It's just The team looks very old. The Eagles look like they don't really have a direction. I wish uh, Hurts the best if he does end up getting the starting job because I think the Eagles said that it's going to be a competition with whoever they bring it in. But I do believe he's going to win the starting job. So for Hurts, I hope he has the best of seasons. He looked electrifying towards the end of the season. But we're talking about Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, when he's healthy, when he's on, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. That's why he got the huge contract that he, um, in my opinion, deserved at the time that they gave it to him. Maybe it was a little early. Maybe they should have waited. But in my opinion, Carson Wentz deserved that contract. Uh, I know Carson Wentz was eager to get that contract um, done because he had some injury history. But for the Eagles' point of view, he did have a lot of injuries. And you had two years left on the rookie contract when you signed the extension. Could have had the fifth-year option. So it's a little iffy on the, the timing of the contract extension. But he did get a massive contract extension. Did not live up to it. But like I said, it, that had a lot to do with the factors that he could not control. The wide receivers were not healthy. The O-line was falling apart. The play calling was a little questionable. Now he goes to the Colts with this old offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator that got him to the Super Bowl where he played his best football. Or the year that year he was having MVP season and then he got hurt. So I do believe in my heart of heart, I think Wentz is going to have a bounce back year. I know there's people out there in the media that have said that he might be in the MVP conversation. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go that crazy. I'm not gonna make that bold of a prediction. But I do think Carson Wentz is gonna have a bounce back year, and I do think the Colts are gonna make the playoffs again, and they're gonna be one of the teams in the mix in the AFC. The AFC is super deep, super stacked. So I'm not gonna go and say that they're gonna, you know be the final they're going to make the conference finals for the wet for the AFC or or even win their division the Titans are stacked but I do think Carson Wentz is going to have a good year he's going to cut down on his interceptions his touchdowns are going to go up and overall I think this is going to end up being a good trade for the Colts a third round pick potentially a first round pick for a serviceable quarterback um a lot of the money that he was owed the Eagles are going to have to pay up. They're going to have to front that money. So at the end, the Colts are not going to be paying him that much. They're going to be paying him, I think, around $25, $20 million per year for the next four four years. 
something like that. So I don't think it's a bad trade for the Colts. They did need a quarterback. They weren't going to get one of the better ones in the draft because they did so good this season. Phillip Rivers retired. I just think if if it doesn't work with the Colts, it wasn't going to work with anywhere with anybody else for Carson Wentz. So I think he knows that. I think he knows this is it. He has to show that he could get it done. I did see on social media that Wentz is already contacting some of his offensive players in the Colts. He's already texting them. He's already FaceTiming with some of them. And they seem to be taking that very well. They're talking about his leadership. They're talking about how excited they are to play with Carson Wentz. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Colts. I like the Colts. They're one of those neutral teams. I'm not really a fan of any team right now. But they're one of those neutral teams that are very easy to root for. I like their colors. I always liked them when Manning was there. So I am rooting for Carson Wentz. And my prediction is that the Colts will make the playoffs. And Carson Wentz will be make a comeback. We're going to look at Carson Wentz in a different light by the end of last se- next season than we did at this season. And he's going to be one of those top 10 Top 12 quarterbacks in the league again. Maybe top six, top seven. Every play is really good. But I think this is a good trade for Carson Wentz. And I wish him the best for the Colts. In the Colts. And for the Eagles, it's looking a little ugly. But we'll see how they go with Hurts. I, I want Hurts to succeed. But the Eagles look very messy. And now the next quarterback that we have to talk about. After Carson Wentz got traded. After um, Stafford and Goff got traded. The next quarterback on this uh, carousel that we're um, experiencing this offseason. It has to be Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback. Um, I think he's next. He's the next one to get traded. Um, The likely destinations are probably the Jets, the Panthers, the Dolphins, and the 49ers. Vegas, all these odds, all these places where you can place bets have the Jets as the favorites. It's New York. Deshaun Watson likes Robert Salah, their new coach, their new head coach a lot. Um, That's one of the reasons he wants to go there. In my opinion, I don't think he should go there. The Jets are a mess. They would definitely be able to trade for him. They have um, the capital to make that move. They have the picks to make that move. Um, But I just don't think the Jets, the Jets are a good Rand franchise. Uh, I think if he goes there, he's not really changing his scenery too much. It's already, if he's leaving the Texans and you go to the Jets, You're going from one bad organization to another. Um, If Deshaun Watson is serious about trying to take that leap, trying to be those elite quarterbacks that win Super Bowls that are always contending year year in and year out, I don't think the Jets are the team to go. I would prefer to go to the Panthers. I would prefer to go to the 49ers. But the pick, the place, the destination that I would like to see him go is the Dolphins. It could be a pretty easy trade, you know, a Tua plus some picks. They have an early pick, so they could definitely make that move. You go to Miami, you're going to be in Florida, no state income tax. The weather's going to be nice. It's going to be sunny. He's already used to the sun because he uh, he played for the Texans. I know Texas has a lot of um, snow right now. They're dealing with their problems, but for the most part, he's used to the heat. He'll go to Miami. It'll be nice and warm for him. Brian Flores is a good head coach. One of the best young head coaches in the league. We've seen what he's been able to do with the Dolphins in these last few years that he's been the head coach. Turned them from one of the worst franchises in the league to a respectable one. One that looks like they have a bright future. You get Deshaun Watson, you sign a couple wide receivers, and you're there. The Dolphins have Savian Howard, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Led the NFL with interceptions. 
Their defense looks like they're ready to win. Their offense needs to pick it up. You put in Deshaun Watson in there. Maybe you draft a wide receiver in the third, second, third, or fourth rounds. Um, or you pick up one in free agency and you're ready to go. The Dolphins are going to be ready to win right now. Right now, the Dolphins will be ready to win if they make the trade for Deshaun Watson. I can't really say that for the other teams, uh, the Panthers and the Jets. I don't think you just trade for Deshaun Watson and you sign like a couple players and you're ready. I think in, like you need a year or two more to, to really get it going. The only two teams that I really see that happening is the Dolphins and the Niners. The Niners do have some very interesting players that they could trade for Deshaun Watson. They have some picks. They could probably make it make it happen. Jimmy Garoppolo, they might be able to include him in there. And uh, I really like... Uh, Shanahan, he's a great offense coordinator. In my opinion, he's the best young offensive mind in the league ahead of uh, McVay. But I would like to see him in the Dolphins. I think him, Deshaun Watson against Josh Allen for many, many years would be must-watch TV. You put Trevor Lawrence on the Jets or or uh, Justin Fields on the Jets, and then you have a very interesting division. But for my take, for my money, I think Deshaun Watson for the Dolphins is the best destination for him. They offer him the most opportunity to win. And I think that's what Deshaun Watson ultimately wants. He already signed that lucrative contract, so he's going to get paid regardless of where he goes. And I think the Dolphins are the best destination for him. And then after that, it will be the 49ers to play under Shanahan. Um to play in the NFC, which seems to be a little bit more wide open. It's Brady. Breeze is gone. Um, you got to go through Rodgers and Brady, basically. And maybe some up-and-comers. But the AFC is stacked. So I could see why he would m- maybe want to go to the NFC. But it looks like the Jets are the favorite. I, I don't understand that as far as Deshaun Watson. The Jets have been an incompetent franchise for as long as I've been alive basically I'm 26 years old for as long as I've been alive the Jets have not been a competent franchise it didn't work with Darnold didn't work with Sanchez didn't work with Pennington didn't work with all these coaches and now I I'm just I love Deshaun Watson I love his game I know how tough of a player he is coming back from an ACL being the player that he's turned into, carrying the Texans franchise for his young career so far, to go to the Jets would be career suicide, basically. You're not going to win a championship with the Jets. It's just not going to happen. They're incompetent. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I, I love You're an elite talent, but the Jets, in my opinion, are just that bad. And New England is in that division. The Dolphins are going to be good with Brian Flores. Josh Allen, Josh Allen is getting getting it together with the Bills. The Bills seem like they're trending up. The Jets are going to be the fourth worst team. It looks like even with Deshaun Watson, depending on what New England does, Dolphins are trending up. Bills are hot. Depending on how New England goes about this offseason, the Jets are still going to be the fourth worst team, even if they get Deshaun Watson. So if I'm Deshaun Watson, it's the Dolphins. Is you're thinking the right division. You're just thinking the wrong team. Don't go to the Jets. Go to the Dolphins. Go to Miami. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the Noah State income tax. Enjoy playing for a competent head coach in Brian Flores. And then you could forget about 
your bad times with the Texans. You could forget about, you know, them trading your weapons away. You could forget about Hopkins not being there. You could forget about them trading for Cooks and stuff like that. And you could play for the Dolphins, who are not the best organization, but it seems like they turn it around. They did a great job with Brian Flores, and they could win if you go there. So if by any chance, Deshaun Watson, you're listening to this, I have no ties to Miami. I am by no means a Dolphins fan, but I am telling you that that is your best destination if you want to win. And if not, if you want to live in a nice city where you're going to get a lot of commercials, get a lot of attention, then I guess, yeah, the Jets in New York would be a, a good second option. And another Texan that we got to talk about, J.J. Watt is a free agent. He's probably not going to sign for a while because the NFL and almost all the franchises are waiting for the cap to be set. But J.J. Watt pretty much has four options that make sense. The Steelers, the Packers, the Bills, and the Browns. I think those are the four teams that have the best or most realistic chance of landing J.J. Watt. The Steelers, it's an obvious one. His brother plays there. Uh, the Watt brothers teaming up in Steelers and uh, in the black and gold. And then we'll see what they could do. They could probably carry that defense, be the best defense in the NFL. But I don't believe in the Steelers. I don't believe in Big Ben. He's done that offense. After they lost that 11-0 undefeated season last season, it just fell apart. Big Ben, he's not the quarterback he once was. He's old. He's like, what, 39? About to turn 40, I think. He's done. His arm looks like his wash. It's a bunch of bubble screens. You have the Ravens in that division. You have the Browns in that division. The AFC is stacked. The Bills, the Ravens, the Colts, the Titans, the Chiefs. We'll see what the Chargers do with Herbert. There's just so many teams in the AFC. It's it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to get out of that division. So I don't. I I see the Steelers taking a step back next season. I think the Packers are probably the one the one that makes the most sense. J.J. Watt, he's from Wisconsin. The Packers are contenders. They have Aaron Rodgers. The NFC is more wide open than the than the AFC. If if you give some weapons to Aaron Rodgers, he could definitely take the Packers to the Super Bowl next year. They've had back to back thirteen and three seasons. They usually play with the lead, so J.J. Watt would just be able to put his head down and go after the opponent's quarterback more than with any of the other teams. Um, the Bills have Josh Allen, so they'll probably play with the lead too. They look like they're trending up, but we'll see if Josh Allen is able to build on the season he had. The Browns, he'll be able to play next to Miles Garrett, you know, one of these young pass rushers that's going to be contending for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, as you, These next five, six years, Miles Garrett is going to be right there contending for Defensive Player of the Year. So to play next to him would be great for J.J. Watt. He'll get less attention. He'll have more one-on-ones. And the Browns will be able to offer him the most money. I believe they have the most cap space from any of the teams that realistically have a chance to get him. But J.J. Watt, I think his his suitors, um, those the teams that he could go to um, is better situations. Like Out of all these four teams, the Steelers, the Packers, the Bills, the Browns, all of them could realistically make the playoffs. And, you know, you can make an argument that they, can, they might be able to make a, a postseason run. But for me, if you look at the quarterbacks, 
Steelers have Big Ben, or they have a shell of Big Ben. They have whatever is left of Big Ben. The Packers have the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. The Bills have an MVP finalist and Josh Allen, young quarterback, 26 years old, I believe. The Browns have uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, Miles Garrett, pretty good cast over there. So this one's kind of hard for JJ. His brother is in Steelers. Uh, if he doesn't go with the Steelers, oh, he doesn't like his brother. Um, but I think it makes perfect sense to go to the Packers. He's from Wisconsin. Rodgers is the MVP. They're the most legit contenders that could use him. Other than the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers might be a dark horse depending on if they keep Shaq Barrett or if they keep Indomitian and Sue or if they keep a Godwin. We'll see what they do. They're saying that they're going to keep all their players. Um, Bruce Arians said that. Um, all the players kind of insinuated that they want to come back. So we'll see what the Buccaneers do this offseason. If they keep their word, if they actually bring everybody back. If they don't, if they let people walk. If Shaq Barrett wants to sign that big, huge contract, he might have to go somewhere else. If Ndamukong Sue is looking for like a l- one last payday, he might have to go somewhere else. If Godwin wants to be the number one wide receiver in the team and get a fat contract, he might have to go somewhere else. So we'll see how much cap room the Buccaneers have. So that's a that's another dark horse for JJ Watt. If he really wants to go um, ring chasing, what better team to go to than the reigning champions? Go team up with Tom Brady and go get that ring in the NFC. Go represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But for my for my money, if I was a betting man and I am sometimes, I would pick the Packers. I would go back home to Wisconsin. I'd go play with Aaron Rodgers. I would go play with the lead. I know in the third or fourth quarter. When the team is behind and they're just throwing the ball, I could just put my head down and go get that quarterback. And J.J. Watt, since since he's been in the league, since 2011, I believe he came into the league, he's gotten like the second or most sacks in the league. So he would love that. Just put your head down, go get the quarterback, and go get your first ring with Aaron Rodgers and go get Aaron Rodgers the second ring that has been eluding him for so many years now. That's my take. J.J. Watt. Go to Wisconsin, go to the Packers, and go get yourself a ring with the Packers. But now transitioning over to soccer. I'm recording this Friday night. Earlier today, the Wolves played Leeds United in a very entertaining game. I'm a Wolves fan, so I really enjoyed the game. Wolves beat Leeds United 1-0 on a own goal. Adama Trade hit the back, hit the woodwork. And then it bounced off the goalkeeper and rolled back into the goal. One of the most strange goals you'll see all year, all season, all your life maybe. It's a funny goal. But the Wolves have now won three out of the last four games. They haven't lost in the last four games. Ten out of 12 points. They move up to 11th. And they're four points away from Europa League spot. From 7th and 7th. This year might get you a Europa League spot because... Um, the way City's playing, they're in the finals. It looks like they're going to win the FA Cup against Tottenham. If if City wins the FA Cup and they win the league, then that seventh spot becomes a Europa League spot. So now the Wolves are just four points away from a Europa League spot after a very rough middle part, early and middle part of the season. It looks like the Wolves are finally turning it around. And Nuno, we trust... And Nuno, we trust 
believe in Uno. But the star of this game was Real Patricio. I believe this was his best game all season. I've watched all the Wolves games this season. And I believe this is Real Patricio's best game. Yeah, in that rough stretch that we had, Real Patricio had a couple rough games. Not going to lie. I was kind of like, whoa, what's going on, Real Patricio? Especially after the season you had last year. Like, don't let me down, man. He had a couple rough games. I was on those YouTube posts. I was on those Twitter threads. And there was fans that were calling for Rudy to start as the backup keeper. And then he had his mistake in the FA Cup. And then we're like, okay, like let's let's not let's not that crazy. Real Patricio is a starter. But to see him have this great game, keep that clean sheet. Leeds United, as we all know, is a very attacking team. They don't sit back, they go propose the game. They're always in the opponent's box. They always have a lot of shots, a lot of shots on target. They always they're always sending their wing bags. Patrick Bamford has been scoring a lot of goals this season. We knew this game was going to come down to if the Wolves defense was able to stop the Leeds United offense. And for the most part, they did. But when they couldn't, Real Patricio was there to stop him. Real Patricio looked big on goal today. He had a crucial crucial saves all throughout the game. But in stoppage time, he had a, a crazy one with his foot that looked like it was going to be the equalizer for Leeds United. It looks like we're going to not win back-to-back games again. But Real Patricio... Best game of the season. My, I tip my hat up to you. Uh, I've always loved you as a goalkeeper, especially since I became a Wolves fan. I, I respected the hell out of you. I thought you were a great keeper, starting goalkeeper for Portugal. But this season, you know, not the best season, but this was a great performance. Um, if the Wolves continue to play like this, I think they could definitely make a push for Europa League. Um, I think William Jose has been a pretty good signing Pretty good Loney signing. Um, he he definitely offers more of a presence in the box, but I, I still see him kind of stagnant. He's not making too many runs in the box. He kind of is just waiting for the ball. I need to see him make a couple more runs to the first to the front post, or maybe make like a looping run to the second post. But he's not bad. I know he's frustrated. He hasn't had a goal or assist yet, but I think it would come. What I really like about the Wolves in their last few games is the Nuno has been playing. Adama Traore on the left side, and he's played Neto on the right side, and this really allows them to cut in and shoot. And I love seeing that, especially because when Raul Jimenez was there, he had he had great ball movement. That's one of the things about Raul Jimenez. He always knew how to get open in the box. He always knew how to use his height to win balls in the air, and he always knew when to make the run to the first front post, when to make the run to the second post, when to stop and like wait for the for the cutback pass. Raul Jimenez, elite player. This season has just proven how beast of a player Raul Jimenez is. I have two of his jerseys. Like, but I digress. Because we don't have Raul Jimenez, players getting to the touchline and be, being able to send a good cross has been not as important, not as key, because there hasn't been that player to be at the end of those crosses. So now that we have um, Adama Trade and Neto playing on their opposite of their weak foot, it allows them to cut in and shoot. And I think that's the strategy that we need to go for now that there's not really someone to send the ball into into the box. These wingers got to find their own shots. They got to find their own attempts. So now we saw it with Neto. We've been seeing it with Neto coming like these last few games that he started there. But now, like today, he had five shots on target or five shots 
overall the most he's had in any Premier League game. And even at the first half, he was really, he looked very active. He looked like he was eager to take shots. And that was that was a welcoming sign. Like, dude, if Neto, you're, Neto, you're, this season, you've been our best offensive player by far. You're 20 years old. You should have all the confidence in the world. Neto, take over, man. Take over. Get, get the ball on the right side and cut in. There's no reason why you can't be like a Robin-type player. You have all the physical tools. You have a beautiful left foot. If you're on the right side, keep keep cutting in, man. Take your shots. He had a beautiful shot. The goalkeeper stopped. He was going top left corner. He took a slight deflection, but that's what I need to see more. The goal itself came from Adama Trade taking the ball on the left side of the field and cutting in, bringing it inside and taking a nice shot that was going to go in the top right corner, but hit the post. And then it bounced back and then went in. We all saw that goal, but I really like that. I think going forward, that's what we should do. The inverted wingers, Damatrade on the left, Neto on the le- on the right, and that's that's the most dangerous I see us. And if we keep doing that, if we keep solidifying our back our back five, now we play three center backs. Um, Real Patricio looks like he's picking up his form again. The back five, the back three center backs seems to have stopped the leaky stop stop the leaky defense. Inverted wingers and William Jose gets more involved. He gets more comfortable as time goes by with the Wolves. The Wolves could be a real threat for Europa League. And that seemed crazy just maybe two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, that seemed crazy. We were fighting for relegation. Fans were super depressed and demoralized on social media, on any Wolves post, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you were looking at Wolves posts. It looked like the house was falling down. Nuno, Nuno out was out there. I was never a supporter of that. But now the Wolves look like they could turn it around. They could potentially get a Europa League spot. And that excites me because it means that we could keep all the players we have. We might be able to sign some marquee players. And I just believe in this team so much. And I'm loving what I'm seeing these last few games. 10 out of 12 points. There's no reason why the Wolves could keep climbing up these tables. And I'm excited for the rest of the season. Transitioning to the NBA. The Lakers and, and the Nets played on Thursday night. The Nets beat the Lakers handily. They led almost the whole way. Um, there was no KD for the Nets. There was no AD and no shooter for the Lakers. But the Nets led all the way. They were hot from three. Um, it looked like they couldn't miss from three. Joe Harris is a beast. He was hot the whole night. Um, when Joe Harris is on, he's he's almost unguardable. He's literally one of the best. He's the best catch and shoot shooter in the NBA. He's 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 our X factor. We all know about James Harden, Kyrie Irving, KD, but Joe Harris, I, I feel like he's gonna be key on one of these playoff games. We're, you're gonna see Joe Harris have a shining moment in the playoffs. You can guarantee it. But the Nets, the Nets definitely look like they're the favorites in to come out of the East. I was still a little bit skeptical when, you know, when they got KD, when they got um, Kyrie going, we'll see how they're going to do. Even when they got Harden, it's a little bit like, okay, let's see how it works out. Now that the Bucks, the Bucks won today, but before that, they've lost five straight. I'm jumping off the banner again. I'm jumping off the ship. The Bucks, I, I, I wanted to see mostly because I really like Holiday. He, he's a, he looks like he's a good point, like a good person. Um, I always liked him as a player. I like his defense. Giannis, he's been one of my favorite players since he came into the league. 
the development he's had has been crazy to see him from a fringe player, developmental player, and uh, to turn into a two-time MVP. Like he's one of those players that are super easy to root for. That's why I've always been a Bucks supporter. But now it's it's pretty evident that once the Nets get their defense together, they're just gonna be too much of a force for anybody in the in the Eastern Conference Final to stop them. And for the Lakers, it's pretty much easy. It's 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 the same script as last year. If either LeBron James or AD are hurt or not 100%, the Lakers are probably not going to get to the finals. They're probably not going to represent the Western Conference Final. The West is just too stacked. Um, the roster is good, but it's, it's based around AD and LeBron. We've been knowing this. AD, once again, is suffering with nagging injuries. He can't stay on the court, we got to watch his minutes. We got to watch him for injuries. LeBron James, of course, tops 35,000 points. Youngest player to ever do that. We know what LeBron James brings. He scored 32 points, I believe. Led MB- the second leading scorer for the Lakers was Kuzma with 16. We all know what LeBron James is. He's a monster. He's always going to be there. He's always going to put up his 35, 36, 37 minutes. He's going to give you 25 points minimum. Um, he's going to control the offense. He's going to have a good game. And then if the rest of the guys follows, if AD's healthy, if if he's playing at a high level, then the Lakers are the favorites to come out of the West, um, the favorites to represent the West in the, in the NBA Finals. And they're probably the favorites against any team in the NBA, even the Nets. But AD has not been able to stay healthy this season. Um... Some players are not stepping up right now. Um, so, yeah, it looks like the Nets have the most firepower in the in the whole NBA. And the Lakers need to hope AD comes back and stays healthy and picks up his play. Because even when he's played this year, he has not played as good as we know that he's capable of. But if he comes back healthy, if he picks up his play, if he plays like AD, then... The Lakers could go back to the NBA Finals. But this game, this Lakers-Nets game, entertaining. Kyrie Irving took a little jab at, at LeBron James saying, hey, is this your best free throw shooter? No, it was a fun game. I was, The Nets led almost the whole way. I was expecting a little more competitive game. But all in all, I don't think you could take too many takeaways from this game just because, like I said, KD wasn't playing, AD wasn't playing, shooter wasn't playing. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But... I do believe this is going to be the NBA Finals preview, and I'm very excited to see it. If both, especially if both teams come come healthy, everyone is firing in all cylinders. KD versus LeBron in the finals again, that would be great. But you gotta, as far as the Thursday game, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. Joe Harris was just killing it from three, and Lakers didn't really show up. But we'll see. We'll see how they play. We'll see how it unfolds. I'm excited to see how it unfolds. I think. NBA community is excited to see how it unfolds. But finals preview, kind of. We'll see if we're able to see this great matchup in the NBA finals. But now, as of now, the one takeaway I do have is that the Nets are going to represent the East. And I am hopping off the Bucks um, ship. It's just, it's Nets. It's Nets. The Nets are going to represent the East. And that's that. In other news... Draymond Green goes off against the NBA, the double standards of the NBA, how NBA players get scrutinized when they do something that's, you know, 
not frowned upon when they try to take control of their situations with their teams. And when NBA teams um, do the same things, when they don't treat players as kindly as we would like them to treat them, when they do, you know, shady stuff like trading a player mid-game, when they sit players because they don't want them to get hurt so they don't lose their trade value. When they do stuff like that, you know, Draymond Green is right. Um, players need to be protected more. But it's kind of hard saying that I agree with Draymond Green, but, like, I don't see a solution to how to change the treatment. At the end of the day, the players are the employers, and the, the players are the employees, and the league, the franchises, they're the employers. So they're always going to have the most power. But saying that, I I do appreciate what Draymond Green said, and I do appreciate how players have taken control of their future, of their situations more now in this like last 10, 15 years. Since LeBron James basically had the whole decision, it's been more and more common for players to be like, you know what, I don't like my situation. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to the press. I'm going to leak information. I'm going to let my agent talk for me. I'm going to make it known that I don't want to be here and you're going to trade me or I'm not going to play for you or I'm not going to try to play my best like James Harden did. And that's why I will always support player movement. Um, I, li- I like it when players, you know, stick it to the stick it to the higher ups, stick it to the big men. Um, I was a Charger fan. So when Eli Manning didn't want to play for the Chargers, you know, it, I was like, damn, Eli, like, why are you doing this? But now Eli won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants. The Chargers still haven't won a Super Bowl. Um, sad to say, sorry for Phillip Rivers. He never got a Super Bowl. So it looked like Eli Manning made the right decision. Um, Deshaun Watson now, he gave it a try with the Texans. They're incompetent. Uh, they can't get it together. Hey, get out of there. LeBron James, he, you know, he's he's played he's he's played for, what, four teams now? The Ca- or two stints with the Cavs, the Miami Heat, and now the Lakers. Hey, if you guys want to go, if you guys want to demand a trade, AD wants to get out of uh, New Orleans, go ahead, do it. Um, LeBron James wants to go. Paul George wants to leave a team. KD wants to leave. James Harden wants to leave. I will always support player movement because at the end of the day, it is an unfair treatment and there's no there's no solution that we could really do because, like I said, the, at the end of the day, the owners, the teams are the ones that are making billions and the players are just making millions. So, you know, the teams are always going to have the most power. I feel for... for For some owners, for some organizations, after being in the business for so long, players just become a a commodity, uh, inventory. Um, You don't really see them as players. You always know that more players are going to come in. You're always going to cut a check to a different player. If you've been in the business for, like, let's say 30, 40 years, how many players have you signed a check to? How many players have played, have worn a jersey for your team? You can't get attached to these players because they're gonna come and go. They're gonna come and go. And at some point, it's probably they probably become numb to to mistreating these players. They're like, oh, uh, player X. Who's to say that if I treat him in a certain way, why should I feel bad? Why should I lose sleep over it when he's just one of like fifty players that I've known to have played for my team? That's the way I look at it. So if players want to demand a trade if they want to go somewhere else, I am all for it. And I do agree with Draymond Green that we always criticize players for not 
you know, living up to their potential for not uh, succeeding with franchises. But we never really question franchises for not putting players in positions to succeed. Like, uh, just I'm thinking of Stafford. He never made a playoff appearance with the Lions. And that's one of the things that was being brought up <clears throat> when he got traded to the Rams. That's one of the things that got brought up. Oh, why would he trade for a player that never has never won a playoff game? Well, he played for the Lions. So you got to put a asterisk on his resume, on his career in the NFL, because the Lions are incompetent. They couldn't win with Calvin Johnson. They couldn't win with Barry Sanders. They couldn't win with anybody. So the Browns have been incompetent for forever, too. There's, there's probably players that could have succeeded other in other places if, if they were lucky enough to go with the right coaches, the right organizations. But no, they got drafted by these teams and they couldn't. They couldn't get it done. If if Mark Sanchez didn't get drafted with the Jets, who's to say he doesn't turn into a good quarterback? If uh, or maybe a decent quarterback. If uh, Brady Quinn doesn't get drafted by the by the Browns, who's to say he doesn't turn into a good quarterback? Um, the NFL, a lot of these leagues, it's all about confidence. Once you lose your confidence, it doesn't matter where you end up as your second spot. You're just never going to get that confidence back. You already think you're not good enough for the league. The perception of the media is already that you're not good enough for the league and you're done. And we all know that these NBA, this NFL, these soccer careers are super short. So it's all about first impressions. And there's a lot of organizations that never put their players in a good position to make good first impressions. And the media doesn't really talk about it. Um, we joke about it in like a friendly, jokey way. Like, oh, you know, look at all these quarterbacks that have played for the Browns. Look at this jersey with all their names. Look at the Lions going 0-16. Look at the fans with the um, brown paper bag over their face. But we never really go into a critical, analytical, like, um, criticism of that franchise like we do for players like like we go for like Ryan Leaf we talk about his mishaps and we compare him to uh, the greats from that from that draft we always you know Ryan Leaf got drafted um, in the same draft as Manning and we, we compare their achievements but we never really uh, compare oh the Texans came in like a couple years after these teams and they haven't done anything or or the Chargers um have been in the NFL for 60 years or whatever, 50-something years, and they haven't won anything. And look at all these other teams that have played that many seasons and look look at how many championships they won, just stuff like that. We never really criticized franchises and teams like that, but it makes sense because they make the money, uh, they control the media passes. Um, someone writes something like that, they're probably not going to make it back into their locker room, make it back into their facilities. So it makes sense. Just saying, it doesn't happen, but it makes sense why it doesn't happen. So if players have any sort of power, if they have any say in where they're going to go, what they want to do with their future, if they want to retire like um, Andrew Luck, if you want to retire like Andrew Luck and cut it, cut your career um, short, hey, go do whatever you want to do. Because at the end of the day, the leagues, the franchises, they're going to do whatever they want. So do you. Support Kyrie Irving. If you got to go sage, if you got to go take some time off, go do it. Because the league, the franchises, they're going to do whatever they want. But now let's talk about a lighter note. The NBA announced their Eastern and Western Conference All-Stars starters. For the West, we have LeBron James, Jokic, 
Kawhi, Curry, Luka. And for the East, we have KD, Giannis, Embiid, Kyrie, and Beal. The one, the one criticism that most people have that I have is Lillard got snubbed. He's third in scoring. He's leading. He's leading uh, the Blazers to the fourth spot in the West. The stacked West, we all know. We can see the records. We can see the West is better than the East. So to lead the Trailblazers to the fourth in the West is remarkable. Third in scoring, we've all seen what Lillard has done this season. He's amazing. He's great. Uh, he's balling out again. Could have seen it coming. Luca, one of the MVP favorites. He's uh, fifth in scoring. Um, his rebound numbers are better. His assists are better. But the Mavs have been struggling. They're, I believe, 11th in the West. So they're not even in the playoff position. They're three spots behind um, the last spot, the eighth seed. So that's that's probably the one gripe I have with the list. I would have seen, I would have liked to seen Lillard start. LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi, Curry, they all make sense. LeBron, um, 25, 8 and 8 or whatever he's averaging. He's LeBron James. We know he's the best player in the league still, captain for the West. Jokic, MVP season, MVP contender. Kawhi is balling out. Curry, 30 points per game with the Warriors. The criticism that he got when they started 0-2 and, and they were getting blown out. He's turned it around. He's leading the Warriors into a playoff spot. So Luka for Lillard is really my only um, gripe with this list. Other than that, maybe Mitchell. He got kind of snubbed too. He's the best player on the team with the best record in the NBA. 24 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. I could see why people would want him in starter. I was looking at, you know, some of the other players that got selected as starters through the years. Steph Curry in 2014, he was averaging 24, 4, and 8. And the I believe the Warriors were, like, up there in the standings, too. They might have been the best uh, record at the All-Star break. And he was the starter. So Mitchell being the best player on the Utah Jazz, averaging 24, 4, and 5. I could see why people are saying that he should be a starter. My opinion, um, Lillard and Luca are are above him, but I would not be upset if he was a starter. The Jazz have been playing great. They won. They're like on a nine-game winning streak. I believe they're playing the Clippers right now, and before that, they were on an eleven winning game um, winning streak. So out of their last twenty-one games, they've won twenty. Crazy numbers. Mitchell, if he would have been a starter, I have no problem with that. <clears throat> the one thing that's hurting Mitchell is that Steph, you know. In my comparison, Steph plays in the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco, bigger market. He plays for Utah. He's not on national TV as much. So that probably hurts his case for the popular vote. And that's the biggest factor in determining the all-star starters. So that's probably what's hurting Mitchell. But other than that, if it's if it's not Mitchell, then it should have been Lillard. And I mean, I do like Luka. He's my favorite player in the NBA, so... I might be a little biased, but I do see why Lillard should be the starter. Other than that, the Western Conference All-Stars all seem legit to me. They all look like worthy selections. And the East, KD, Jonas, Embiid, Kyrie, Beal. I think they got it right, in my opinion. If, if you were to give me the five votes, that's who I would have picked. KD, MVP candidate, um, comeback player of the year candidate, Jonas, two-time reigning MVP, still having a beast season. Still being one of the best players in the NBA. Embiid, breakout season. Or not breakout because he's already been a star, but really cementing himself as one of the best players in the NBA. MVP season. He just dropped 50 today. So amazing stuff that Embiid is doing. 
Bill leading the NBA in scoring. Yeah, he plays for Washington, um, for D.C., but they don't have the best record. They're not in the playoffs, but leading the league, we all know what he could do. Deserves that spot. Kyrie, 28 points per game in the Nets. He's been amazing, too. Um, the only one that I think might have been able to get in was Zach Levine. He's putting up a lot of points. He's um, the main man, the only man, basically, for the Bulls. So if they would have put Zach Levine for Kyrie Irving, then I get it. But they already put Beal in, so he's already kind of taking that spot for a player that's on a bad team, but he's doing, like, really, really good. So I don't really have any gripe with the starters. KD, Giannis, Embiid, Kyrie, Bill, Beal. They all seem like worthy starters, in my opinion. And I'm very excited to see the rest of the, le the list come out on Tuesday. Um, we'll see who gets snubbed. I'll probably make a video on that. My thoughts on who should have made the All-Star, who got left off. That would be interesting. I'm very excited to see that. But this concludes. This should be it for episode 33 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Um, like I said, Carson Wentz, bounce back year. With the Colts, they're probably they're gonna make the playoffs. Deshaun Watson, please go to the Dolphins. I would really like to see that. JJ Watt, your destination. Go back home. Go back to Wisconsin. Go to the Packers. Wolves are bouncing back. And Nuno, we trust. Europa League is definitely a possibility. Lakers and Nets, you gotta take that game with a grain of salt. Players were out. We'll see. Hopefully, we see it in the final. I would love to see that. Draymond Green is right. The players need more respect, need more power. It's going to be hard to get it, though. So whatever power they have right now, support the players. Support the players. I'm always on the player side. And the NBA Western Conference starters, Lillard was the only one that I legit feel got snubbed. But yeah, that concludes episode 33 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you guys on the next time. Have a great day.